Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Welcome along. Coming at you on uh, Wednesday, as usual, Wednesday Night Rugby. Very happy to say in our new studios here, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent is with us. Hello. Hello, Joe. And you're somewhere out there. I can't really see in the usual way, but I'll trust you're there. Fiona Hayes, hello. I'm always here, Joe. How are you? <laughs> Lurking with intent. That's it. Very one. <laughs> so lots to get through. We'll come to the weekend's action in just a moment. But Andy Farrell has named his 37-man squad for the November Internationals, South Africa, Fiji, Australia, namely. And we have... Kieran Frawley in of the uh, uncapped players. Jeremy Lockman in. Joe McCarthy is in. Jimmy O'Brien who has been filling in for Hugo Keenan at fullback at Leinster is in. Keen Prendergast in as well. They were, to be fair, all on the New, Z- New Zealand uh, tour. Uh, Calvin Nash, Emerging Ireland tour in South Africa, uh, wasn't in New Zealand. He gets the nod as well. So they're the six uncapped players in the 37-man squad. And then, Rory, we have plenty of omissions as well. I suppose there, that's more the headline news, the, the mainstays who don't quite make the cut. Yeah, and it's not, they're not selection calls, really. There's, it's injuries. Um, James Lowe won't make it. Ian Henderson won't make it. Andrew Conway and Keith Earls are not going to make it either. Um, and I think the cloud hanging over this Ireland squad is that there's about nine players in there, or eight or nine players who would have been in the 23 against New Zealand who are named in the squad but are currently rate, rated as doubts because they're currently not you know, available for the provinces. Now, some of them some of them haven't played at all this season, including Hugo Keeman and Jemison Gibson-Park, who were you know, some of the first names on the team sheet. Some of them picked up injuries last weekend, like James Ryan, Tyg Byrne, um, Josh van der Fleer, to name but three. So it's... The, the squad is named. I mean, I presume they would have named more second rows um, uh, if they were really concerned about Ryan and Byrne in particular. Um, Kieran Treadwell, I think, is due to come back this weekend for Ulster. Um, Ryan Baird is currently out with a concussion as well. So there's a lot of players who are in the squad, but we're just not quite sure where they are at fitness wise going into this window. Um, and the key areas of concern really are the back three, which. As I said, Lowe, Conway, Earls would have all been in contention to start. Jordan Armour's also out. And the second row, where there's just doubts over a couple of those players. And Ian Henderson you know, is one of Ireland's first choice players when he's fit, but he just hasn't been fit for a good while. But there's still a lot of content. You know, you focus on the lads who aren't there. When you look at the squad, there's still huge quality. It's still very competitive and, and a very settled squad as well. You mentioned five of the young cap players have already been in the squad and the other one was on the Emerging Ireland Tour so they're not new to it it's not like there's someone being plucked out of oblivion mm. Calvin Nash is probably the big surprise but you know there's a big big number of absentees in the back three he gets his go and, and he played very well on, on Saturday yeah there may well be an issue with match practice and match sharpness of course but the word on Hugo Keenan is positive that he will be fit to play against South Africa and then we have Jacob Stocktail, surprise inclusion given his ankle injury. Mac Hansen is getting lots of game time. So at a glance, the back three crisis, for want of a better word, Fiona, looks like a crisis, but maybe come game time against South Africa, it's not going to be so bad. 
Yeah, I think so. And look, you know, you, you've talked about quality there as well. I know Stockdale hasn't had loads of game time, but it's great to see him back in the mix. And he's a guy that's going to be chomping at the bit. And to get on that pitch for Ireland, you know, a lot of talk about low and he, he, he'd he feel that pressure having gotten that injury and he, he'll know that he has to crawl his way back. But I think there's enough quality there. I know physicality is going to be a huge thing against the South Africans. But, you know, you've Balakoon as well as another guy coming into form. So whether Keenan's back, you know, it's it's the full back position I'll be looking at. Will they have a look at Lowry? Are they going to go with Jimmy O'Brien? That's that's definitely a position if Keenan, you know, he's been so solid in, in the last few games for Ireland, I suppose, and injury free. It isn't a position that we've we've had to look at because he's a guaranteed starter most games. So I would be kind of questioning who'll slot in there seamlessly. We know Stockdale maybe could do a job in there as well. So it's it's going to be interesting, but I think it's great. I, I think it's the perfect kind of time for these injuries. It might be a chance for some guys that we haven't seen enough of to know are they ready are they ready to make that big step when it comes to World Cup time and, and it seems like the perfect window now Joe Yeah it does I mean you sort of suspect if Hugo Keenan is even 85-90% fit he has so much credit in the bank that they might go for him It depends on how you look at it from Andy Farrell's point of view I mean this South Africa game Ireland played him in the pool at next year's World Cup they haven't played South Africa since 2017 it's mm. the one you know they've beat New Zealand three times in the last you know, 18 months or so, but you always looked at it going, this team is kind of built to beat New Zealand and you wonder about the power sides. Like, you know, they've lost, they haven't beaten France in this cycle. Um, they had struggles against England when England were stronger at the start of the cycle and they haven't played South Africa and that's a big concern um, that, you know, when they come up against the power of that South African pack married with their bench, you know, that bomb squad coming on, um, they might struggle and we want to see that. That's what we want to see the full Irish side play against this team. But at the same time, a year out from the World Cup, what better time for Mike Lowry to start a game at 15 and, and cope with what South Africa have to offer and find out whether he is the man or Stockdale because Stockdale has played fullback for Ireland in the last in this cycle. He is big, strong and has a cannon of a left boot. He may be more suited to coming in to replace um to replace James Lowe, but he has all the attributes he wants against the South African team as well. Um, so <sighs> there should be some room for experimentation. These games, I mean, Ireland are number one side in the world. They may lose their ranking, but really that's of no major consequence. And I think they'll be competitive. You know, they're not going to, I don't think, I don't see this being a kind of a confidence damaging defeat unless they get pinned into the corners and battered and their scrum collapses and all that sort of stuff. But, um, like there is, should be room. Like he shouldn't be pressing Hugo Keenan into action with zero minutes for what well, is ostensibly a, a friendly or a challenge match. You know, it's it's one that Ireland want to win and want to perform in. But my, he, there's no guarantee Hugo Keenan be there in the year when they play South Africa. So Larry is fit. He's playing well. Or Stockdale, who has did play really well in the first couple of games for Ulster before picking up a fresh ankle injury, like. Or Jimmy O'Brien, who's playing really well for Leinster in, in Keane instead and is very good in the air as well. Like This is a time to find out about these players as well. Mm. I must say, until I was just listening to a conversation earlier as well, Fiona, I'd forgotten Ireland are number one in the world. You know, like I guess because of four years ago, this time four years ago, you don't put too much stock in it and it's no guarantee of anything. But you kind of forget Ireland are number one in the world, France number two, South Africa number three. And as Rory says, even weird that Ireland have not played South Africa since 2017. So I don't know. You throw all those ingredients in, does that increase how important this is or make no difference whatsoever? Who knows? Uh, but I could see Andy Farrell thinking, well, if there's one game psychologically, it would be good to win in advance of the World Cup, you know, akin to winning away in New Zealand. You sort of look at South Africa and, and that's the one where you can go to a World Cup then with total confidence, you can handle whatever's thrown at you. 
Yeah, that's it. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to try out his strongest quad possible for that first game. Maybe Fiji and Australia, he might mix up a few things and you might get to see a lot of the guys coming through in that game. But I, I feel like that South African game will be huge. Um, exactly like you said, Joe, it's it's the confidence going into it. I don't think people like to discuss being number one in this country anywhere near a World Cup. We don't even want to mention it. So I had forgotten as well till you said it there. Um Look, it's 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 huge. 2017, the last time we've seen them, uh, South Africa have won a won a World Cup in in people's eyes. When you win a World Cup, I suppose they're the best in the world. When if you view it that way, so it's a chance on home soil to go out and really put it up to that South African um, pack. And I suppose he'll he'll take a look at how the 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 top or the Pro 14 teams are doing as well in this in the CURC how they've been playing because we've seen that power game and especially towards the end of last season in the big games against Leinster, we talked about you know how that South African power was coming through so you wouldn't want to see Ireland be dominated either at set piece or around the breakdown or around that gain line carry area either so I'm sure they will be focusing on that and I think we will see that this will be that South African will be the strongest Irish team you could possibly put out obviously injuries and all that taken into contention So if James Ryan's is fit who's with him with Henderson out? Tygburn um, even against South Africa Well again it's, it's either it's not going to affect because um I would like to see Ty Byrne play at six against South Africa because I think he fits there fits there well. Hmm. But do you start Kieran Treadwell there? I think this is where Henderson would have been really valuable and, and won't be there. Like they really rate Joe McCarthy and he has the physical profile to 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 you know to match the box, I think, but they're still not quite ready if he's if he's sorry, they're still not quite sure if he's knocked the edges off his game. And I think he's more likely to play against the New Zealand uh, A side on the Friday night. So I think what you'll see is um Ryan and Byrne starting the second row with you know, that back row of probably Doris, either Van der Fleer or O'Mahony, depending on whether Van der Fleer is fit, and um, and Jack Conan at eight. Although Ryan Baird was playing really well at six for Leinster and looked like he had... I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, um, a rare opportunity to interview a, 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 an Ireland, current Ireland international one-on-one in person, and like he is incredibly driven this season to kind of become a, a kind of Courtney Laws figure and it looked like it was kind of manifesting itself into his game until he got a horrible head injury against the Sharks but he's been named in the squad he may play again before the window he's another option to come in on that six six slot so they, they have options um, I think they would like to have someone of that athletic profile at six mm. and maybe what you do is you, and they've listed Ryan as a back sorry Ryan Barrett as a back row um, so there's maybe scope to do that but it's hard to argue against the players who started against New Zealand and, and, and backing them I, I know we want to match up against South Africa at the same time what what Ireland's strength have gotten them so far their attacking game plan Burns handling the fact that he was the one who basically won them the game in, in the third test in New Zealand yeah. it's hard to argue against you know starting that pack again which they're, they're all fit and, fit and available um, it's a pity Ronan Keller isn't back as well that's a real shame because I think he's built to play against South Africa With that as well you know we're talking about Ty Byrne I suppose there when he's in the second row I think he gets far more turnovers when he's at sick because obviously he's out on the defensive scrum and he's getting in and he's monitoring that over the ball so even at that turnover time, he's come up with huge ones when he's playing in back row. And I think you'll have to take that into account going into those big games as well. Yeah, great point. And he's struggling. He's got a calf problem after the weekend. So mm. he's another one who there's a doubt over. Why are there so many injuries? I think there's just tough games. I think that there's been a series of, of, of big games early in the season. It's probably um, um, the 
extra competitiveness of the URC manifesting itself and a bit of luck and a bit of bad timing. Yeah, a few pre-season um, ones thrown I think, in. like, you know, some of those lads were sent for surgeries on injuries that they wanted to clear up before the World Cup. So okay. this was, you know, say, uh, I think Hugo Keane and James Lowe, that was, they were all scheduled for after New Zealand and it was kind of a risk that they might miss these games. But really, in the bigger picture, having them guys right for, for next year. Um, Gibson Park's an unlucky one. He was ill and he picked up an injury he was supposed to play and he hasn't played yet. Okay. And the rest of them are just kind of wear and tear yeah. over the course of a couple of tough games and we're mm. going to have more you know it's Leinster Munster on Saturday night there's mm. there's going to be people coming out of there on um, you know in a, in a bad way as well so <laughs> it's just the nature of the beast Sure and the last one are South Africa coming very much locked and loaded fully strengthened ready to go yeah, they're hosting a camp with all of their kind of South African-based players at the moment. Rosie Rosens was speaking yesterday. He seems to be centrally involved again. Again, he's going to be overseeing their A-side who are playing in Toma or in Porquiquive the, the second week. They're bringing a big squad um, and they just have such depth. There's players starring in the URC who can't get near their squad who they won't be Springboks for another two years because they have such an array of incredible talent. So yeah, you'll... You'll see all of their big names, and and we haven't seen a lot of them in the URC yet because the box basically all played in the rugby championship, and they've been given a bit of time off. The Sharks will have a lot of them against Ulster this weekend, but a lot of them have been put on ice, and and they'll they'll come back into it for uh, for this tour. So this and um, you know that 2017 game was was a mismatch. It was when Alistair Coetzee was still in charge. They weren't the force that they are now. Mm. We haven't played against the proper Springboks for a long time. We saw a bit of it with the Lions, and they caused that. Um, Tyke Furlong struggled at times in those tests as well. So this is an incredible road test. I think this is the ultimate. It's a pivotal moment in the World Cup cycle because it's it's the one team that I think are you know these could be Ireland's kryptonite. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well that's very much on the horizon. Wednesday night rugby on off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. In the immediate term, we have Leinster Munster Saturday 5.15 at the Aviva. <coughs> Ulster uh, staying on in South Africa. They play the Sharks. That's also 5.15 on Saturday and Connacht on Friday night will host the Scarlets. So Leinster Munster 5.15. This rivalry, uh, Fiona, we've had 11 matches in four years uh, because of COVID. There were more games maybe than usual. 11 matches in four years. We have had two Munster wins across those 11 matches. Munster, one win in their last nine against Leinster or 3-15. and 15. Basically, whichever way you want to cut it up, uh, it's not good. So I don't know. How alive is this rivalry really at the moment, Fiona? Yeah, I suppose that's a good point, Joe. You know, I've been at those classes and at those couple of victories as well. And um, I think with this Munster squad, you know, we've we've been giving them, I suppose, a bit of stick over the last few weeks, but they came out with a with a very good performance last weekend. They won't say excellent, but a very good performance. And they're obviously know they're gonna to have to to build on that. The Aviva is definitely not a nice place for them to go when playing against Leinster. It doesn't seem to suit them at all. Um, but look, I I still firmly believe that these interpro matches, no matter who they're playing, are are just absolutely, you know, great battles. And the players want to go out. You know, when you're when you played with Munster or if you're playing, Leinster is the team you want to beat. And they're definitely you know, the last few years, the pinnacle team and in all groups, even in Europe, you're looking at them and they've been really exciting to watch. So I think we will see a much better performance by Munster again and and a right hardy battle. I know um, I watched Connacht last week against uh, Leinster and obviously um, I thought they dominated in some areas of the game. There probably will be a lot of changes into the Leinster team, but but I think it will still be the battle that we'll all be expecting. Yeah, so certainly very live for Munster. Like it's almost the... Um 
the touchstone against which they judge themselves, Rory. But for Leinster, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that this. I actually is, like, see it the other way, Joe. Thing, do you? Like, well, I mean, it, if you look at those results, yeah, it brings out the best in Leinster every time. You think about that Pro Four, Pro Twelve, or Pro Fourteen final. I keep just just start calling it DRC consistent, even whatever <laughs> yeah. year it was, because they're confused. The one in lockdown when when Munster showed up at the RDS and Leinster physically wiped them out. Mm. The only Munster player who really showed up that day was Gavin Coombs. Leinster retain, I think possibly because Johnny Sexton and Leo Cullen draw the memory of what they went through in the 2000s and still apply it in, in Munster week. This this rivalry still means something to them in in a way that, they, that they've channeled into a really positive thing because when they show up against Munster, even when they were missing all of their players in the mm-hmm. Aviva Stadium last year, they produce and it still means a lot to their fans. 40,000 people going to the game on Saturday and I would say the vast majority will be Leinster fans because Munster fans in the last couple of years have travelled in less numbers to Dublin, probably on the back of a number of things, cost being one of them, but yeah. also the fact that they keep losing there. It's not a happy hunting ground for them and they've kind of lost a bit of hope around this fixture. And Leinster tend to deliver very good performances when they play Munster and they they really hate losing to them. And I think now they're becoming almost, uh, like it's not quite the all-backs against Ireland and that kind of fear of being the team that loses to Munster, but mm. you've got a record there that you want to protect. Um They'll bring back Sexton this week. They'll have the majority of the Ireland uh, starting team in their team, apart from the lads who are injured, and they will deliver performances that they think will get them into the Ireland team in two weeks' time against South Africa. So and it's that's still what that's what drives them. This payback time. for the 2000s is what you're saying. No, it's also a standards thing, and I think yeah. it's the fact that the rivalry exists for them. And what I think is they've done. What sorry, what I think they've done is they've gotten so on top of Munster and into yeah. a generation of Munster players' heads that often Munster come up the road beaten before they get here, and what. Roundtree, Prendergast, Leamy and Kiriakou have to do is make those players who have been beat or have been beaten down by this rivalry believe again and also infuse the young players with something fresh. And you see it with Coombs. I'd say if if you put, you know, Shane Daly, if you put Jack Crowley out there on Saturday, they don't this is you know, they don't have that baggage. And that's where the belief might come from. It looked like on Saturday that those players believe that they can beat anyone they looked really confident well, it's the it's the players who've been around yes and no I, I get all that I, I wasn't suggesting that the rivalry is dead for the players of course it's not and every game's important but for instance if you're the um, more casual voter there was a time when this rivalry was very alive and it was essential viewing hmm. whereas now I would put it to you Chelsea play Manchester United Saturday half past five yeah so there, there will be a quotient who will say, well, do I really need to tune in to see Leinster beat Munster again by 10 to 15 points pretty comfortably at the Viva Stadium? And unfortunately, Fiona, I mean, that might insult a whole bunch of Munster fans or Munster players, but I think that would be a fairly widely held viewpoint ahead of this game, which is a pity for what was almost once upon a time absolutely essential viewing, regardless of whether you're a rugby fan or not. Yeah, and you're looking, and you know what? I suppose you're looking at that Ulster Sharks game as well, Joe, and that's uh, kicking off at the same time. And I've literally, I didn't know kickoff times till the other day, and I, and that's a game I've been chomping at a bit to ha- to have a look at because I know that they'll be fully loaded. The Sharks, they'll be bringing their guys back. So, like. I'm a, I'm a huge Munster fan. Hopefully they can stick in the in the game, you know, and I think those neutral fans might might not be back in this Munster Munster team, but I I I think obviously you're talking about the soccer there. That's fine. I, down down this way, you know, you have your two separate fans, the rugby fans. Sure. There's a lot of arguments that go on in the pub over uh, over Man United, Liverpool, etc. but and and the rugby, but look, I I think it's 
it's for the guys out there. They need to they need to win this. And I think Rory had it spot on there. I think there's a lack of belief. Um, there's a lack of belief in the fans at times. But I think they could overturn this by going up and having an absolutely youth performance. I've looked at the headlines in the, in the last few days, and it actually kind of worried me because there's all these there's all these headlines about oh Munster these so many injuries, you know, that it might affect Munster and these guys. They're going to wait till last minute to check on the likes of Casey and Byrne. But, you know, back in the day, I suppose, it didn't matter who was injured. Guys were going out there, they wanted to play and they wanted to perform in these big derbies. And I hope it's the exact same thing. I hope it's not a case of if both these guys can't play, that Munster are already in their heads, they think they're going to lose. But I I, I do believe the squad look a little bit more confident after last week mm. and guys stepped up to the plate. So there are, there are guys there to put their hand up. Obviously, Casey was huge in the speed he gives is is so exciting to watch so I'm hoping he'll definitely be there and he can speed up that game I guess Rory it's not essential that Munster win it's just that it's a performance and it's a contest otherwise it's a real morale killer yeah and they could do a picking up a point or two even if if, if they do lose because as we've discussed in here a couple of times now that they're in a bit of a race for Europe and the five points they got against the Bulls last weekend was was pretty key but I mean this is supposed to be a derby match where you know the cliche goes form goes out the window and in reality it's two teams going out there for 80 minutes like why should Munster come up the road thinking they're they're they're, they're beaten before they get there I know yeah, two, Leinster two wins in 11 is why sure but this is a new team a new a new coaching ticket look I think I mean the bookies will tell us I think that I I, 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 I won't quote them because I but the long the odds on Munster winning are quite long from what I checked earlier in the day I've what, forgotten what they were what's a good what's a good and this is like awful question uh, Fiona to be asking what's a good margin of defeat for Munster here with a good performance Bonus, losing bonus point is that kind of losing okay. bonus points I think any team in the URC if they're playing Leinster away picking yeah. up one losing bonus point or scoring four, four tries is not a bad return when you look at your kind of gaming it out over the course of the season but really you've got to be going up the road looking to win this game and thinking that Leinster mm. are not in, indestructible because like you know the Bulls have beaten them Munster just beat the Bulls last weekend mm. I know you can't draw that line particularly La Rochelle have done it I know La Rochelle have, have superstars these lads play and train with these other you know so the Munster players train and play with the Leinster players at, in Ireland camp all the time they know they're human yeah. they're good players themselves so they've they got to come up with some level of belief they can't think that way but yeah sure when you when you, bud, what that's, you probably budget for one point but you come up hoping to get four um, you know Leinster have shown vulnerability this season like yeah. Zebra scored four tries against them didn't they and the, the, the Sharks scored four or five tries in Dublin a couple of weeks ago yeah. and if it's a, I think it's due to be a dry track it's hard to believe after what we've gone through in Dublin <laughs> today but you know like Munster believe, need to believe that they're going to be better yeah. and I think they need to be pushing into the last quarter of the game with a chance of winning this we match. We should be very successful. Fiona, I can hear you trying yeah. to get in. I'm, I'm practically trolling you here at this stage. <laughs> I, I do appreciate this is a very negative line of questioning. I, I, I do accept that, but go on. No, just, I, I, I suppose, looking at the match last week, I mean, Connacht were absolutely defensively in Leinster's face. I know you could be dealing with a completely different animal because selections will be different next week. But I thought if if Connacht's handlers had been a lot better, if they'd been more efficient in that scoring zone, I think they could have come away with the victory. Um, obviously, Leinster went in, they'd done a performance and they got out of there with the points they needed. But I definitely saw a little weakness in there. And when... 
when Connacht attacked them and were in their face and tried to slow down their rock ball, at times Leinster didn't know where to attack. So that's definitely a focus that that Munster, and, and I'm sure they've tried to do that in mm. every game that they have played. I totally understand that. But, but you know, this, the tries that have gone in against Leinster this season, we haven't seen tries like that at the start of any other season in a long time. I yeah, know Leinster are playing good rugby and scoring well, but the tries that have gone in, if, if, if you can get a couple of tries on them early, I think you'd really test that team and yes, character. Very fair point. Fiona, I'm curious to see how you would like Munster to approach the game. So, for instance, Gordon Darcy was on with us on Monday and has, has kind of written similar opinions in his piece in the Irish Times today. So he said, if Rentree opts for Casey, his groin injury permitting, and perhaps Jack Crowley as well, starting with Joey Carberry, it signals a clear intention that Munster are coming to play. Regardless of the result, I believe that will go a long way in the dressing room. And later on in the piece, he said they need to have the courage to move away from those close range carries in the opposition 22 to mix up the point of attack as they managed to do successfully against the Bulls. So that was like Gordon Darcy summing up what he wants from this Munster team on Saturday. What do you want from Munster? Yeah, I, I, something similar. I'd obviously I'd go with Carberry. Obviously, starting. I think he he was outstanding. Is he talking about maybe a ten twelve uh, Carberry Crowley, or is that just Crowley on the bench? Ten fifteen potentially. What would your reading that be? No, I, I'd I'd be going with I'd be going with um, Carberry after last week's performance. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off Crowley. Maybe have him on the bench coming in. Um, I'm definitely very keen on Casey. I thought he varied the play last weekend and he worked really well. And you've two confident guys, obviously injury permitting that they go. So I think I think they're doing it right. I think they're blending in these these younger guys. But it, it's okay to to have them on the bench and mm. the likes of Paddy Campbell and giving them some time. But I I definitely be going with that uh, with Carberry Casey starting if if both fit to do so. Crowley hasn't played much at centre. I haven't seen him anyway. No, more fullback and and fullback he played a bit yeah, of Conovit, yeah, yeah Nail as well. But he, he he's so good. I think he could play him anywhere, and he has he has a bit of swagger and a bit of mm. size about him. But I think mm. if you're if you're going up against Robbie Henshaw, you need to probably match nice. a bit of size there. So I would think that's a bit of a risk. And I guess the I, core point is he's talking about two playmakers and that that yes. overall. Approach. But it doesn't have to be from the start. You can bring that. You can sure. like I know it was a needs most situation last Saturday, but he came in after forty minutes and he looked so confident. And I think he he did. Hit the way he dovetailed with uh, Carberry was really impressive, and, and that was against a team full of size. So that you know that shows that you know there's another way to go. You don't necessarily need to match that. But the Leinster centres are in such good form. Um, Fekatoa really needs to step it up. Like there was signs that he was you know he's getting a little bit more comfortable in there, and obviously that they've ripped up the entire system and they're trying to start again, and that's a difficult thing to do. But where they might, might you know where you fear for them is the fact that Leinster are just so slick when they have the ball and Munster are still trying to find their way. Whereas Leinster just know it. It's it's an ace. They they they've been doing this for for years. And you look at those two centres and they're just so confident and mm. so on top of what they're doing. They're in flow all the time and Sexton just looks so comfortable. And and that's where you fear. That's why they need to just get in and dirty the ball. They need to get in. They need to rile Sexton. Like they didn't need to do what all the opposition teams do do and get under their skin and just upset them and that's going to be difficult but that's the challenge I guess that's a very interesting point because I would think Fiona they could be so focused on this new style of play and two playmakers and you know changing the point of attack and, and speeding the game up and, and trying to get away from those close range carries and all and all of the things that you suspect this group are now working towards together and in the midst of all that, you can you, you could forget about, well, let's rile Johnny Sexton up and let's start a few rows and let's do all the things you need to do to make this a bit of a gritty contest. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, you've guys on there. Peter O'Malley loves doing it. Combs has shown a bit of a spark when it comes to those little fracas at times as well. So look, they're well capable of doing that. There's been a lot of talk about Johnny giving out to the referee. Everyone, they've been up at camp. They know what, these guys know exactly what he's like. So they're 100% going to try and rile him up. And, you know, there's players there that they will will obviously try and get at. And that's just all part of the local derbies. I'd say we don't even, even know the half. It. I remember years ago going to that uh, to that um, thing where Johnny Sexton roared in Rogers' his face um, down in the ground down in Toma Park, and it was only afterwards I heard what exactly <laughs> Rog had said to Sexton as he was coming onto the pitch. So that's all part and parcel of it, and it's it, it's great, and I love that part of the game too. To go back to your original point, Joe, actually, it's been a bit too nice. That's really where the like the, the night down in Toma Park a couple of years ago where um, Sexton hunted Carby around in 2018, 2019, and. Mm. Um, he, he, he was taken off it was like he was obviously a pre-planned substitution but like for about six, 50 minutes Tom and Park was absolutely electric and Sexton was you know the great hero of the previous eight, 12 months was like being vilified <laughs> and it just felt that it was brilliant but it doesn't happen often enough and mm. you know I'm not saying you know we want Johnny Sexton to completely lose his head on Saturday but like sure. a bit of spark a bit of bite yeah. that's what you that's well, what Munster that's what made this fixture great no, in the you're first dead place. right and to be fair actually because I'm you know the, my line of questioning there is is, is is tough and Munster to be fair to them an aspect of this derby that has been missing has been the crowds mm. and so like you think of the RDS final where Munster didn't land a shot with no crowd there that's Fiona that felt especially kind of grim that felt like a low point almost in the rivalry but the crowds are a big aspect Definitely the crowds are a big aspect and we don't know exactly how many is going to go up to Viva. As I said, it's not really a great place to, to play Leinster. I know the RDS is a, a tighter vicinity. You can hear the crowd a little bit more, but those games, those massive games, the crowd get behind them, especially in Toma Park and even that Witcherly tackle on Johnny Sexton. I mean, I remember being in that crowd and everyone went absolutely crazy. And as a team, to get that kind of dominant hit going forward, it just adds a little bit. It'll give you an extra five minutes in the tank if you hear the crowd going absolutely Absolutely wild. So Fiona touched on the fact that Leinster not invincible and we talked a couple of weeks ago even after the game at the RDS which was a great game their susceptibility to set piece tries even they weren't defending those especially well Leinster are always difficult to judge in the URC because mm. so much runs relatively smoothly even when they have the kind of foot off the gas in the opening game in Italy and even conceding all those points at the RDS a couple of weeks ago they still tend to win so it's always hard to know what's just operating in their comfort zone for different periods of matches versus maybe, oh, we can look back on X, Y and Z when they lose in Europe and say, well, that shows they weren't kind of operating at full steam. So to what extent are they at full steam is the question. I think Leo Cullum, when this window ends, will be quietly satisfied at the fact that his team have been tested, whether it's in Ravenhill, whether it's by the Sharks and the RDS. Zebra, to some extent, when that was that was a much weaker team that was a kind of a, a hodgepodge team and sorry to interrupt is, is that are we putting that down to other teams improving or Leinster slipping the level of the tournament has been better this year like the Sharks are a team that we just didn't have that calibre for the last 10 years of this this tournament Ulster are very close to them Connacht brought a level of physicality that that, that you know that tested Leinster in, and, and tested their defence an awful lot in their goal line defence now they may not have stretched them but it was an awful night down in Galway I think Munster will ask them questions at the weekend certainly physically and will go after their breakdown in a way that will prepare them for the, the battles to come so when they park up at the end of this with probably you know 95% of the points that were available in the pocket but also a good test along the way mm. they'll be pretty pleased with, with how this window has gone apart from the fact that they've got a fairly lengthy injury list they've got a more difficult European draw this year because they didn't win the league last year again I think that will prepare them better for the battles to come so yeah. I think Cullen 
he has complained in the past, you know, right? <laughs> just like, you know, he, he doesn't learn much from beating Treviso by 50 points. I think he wants Munster to test him. I think he wants he wants these games. He wants to win at the end of them. Um, he sees, when you see Sexton playing the way he did against the Sharks, you know he's at full capacity yeah. because he's so pumped. I mean, he, he doesn't operate at a level below. Um, you see what Doris did last weekend. You see the way Van der Fleer has played this season. I think they are... You know they have another level to go for Ireland, obviously, but they're. I think the, the tournament being better, and I'm convinced that it is much better this year, has has been much better for the teams that are involved, and I think it will serve Ireland well, um, especially given the fact that there's no European games in the way there used to be. You know, these I think we're close to Champions Cup level with some of these URC games this okay. year. Your read on Leinster, then Fiona, broad terms over the five games. Yeah, look, as I said, they're attacking. They're, they're. You can see they're slowly building. They're not the the polished product. And um, there's, they're doing their usual. Where you've guys in and out. You know that can obviously affect um, how score lines will end up eventually. But I, I suppose it's it's the breakdown is definitely area that I've seen. Um, they're getting quick ball but it can be when teams make it messy um, you can really see that it's affecting and how they attack and you know their positioning and, and where they carry to so I think in general their attacking has been good and defensively as well is another area that they might have to work a little bit harder on because we see we saw the Sharks open them up and I know you might say that's that's down to chance or the break of a ball but that wasn't happening to them in past games and there's definitely been a few missed tackles out of certain um, players that you wouldn't have seen either so look they're building they're they're still as good as they ever were but but it's kind of this time last year I would have said going after that many games of the URC maybe they're a little bit unbeatable at the minute I certainly don't think so now and I think Connacht really put it up to them um, last weekend and you know Furlong coming back he gave away a couple of penalties in the scrum that hasn't really been as concise as it has in the past so that's another area you would like to see Munster attack even though they're, they've given away a few penalties themselves but you would presume that they'll tighten things up and definitely try and get at Porter or get at Furlong in that scrum Okay so look I know you haven't seen the teams yet which makes it difficult but what would you yeah. predict then for Saturday? Um, look, I think if, if if Munster can go fully loaded, I think um, Casey will be... Um if they start with Casey, I just think the speed he brings, I think they'll really put it up to, to that Leinster, um, Leinster pack, Leinster uh, team. I, I find when I'm watching Murray, I think the game slows down a lot. So I would be hoping that Casey gets it on, things get moving. Joey Carberry has an excellent game. You're probably going to have maybe 10 or 11 of these guys having to play out of their skin. But I think if they can go fully focused, I think the systems are now in place. We're seeing slight vision of it. If they can go and really put it up to that Leinster team I think it could be quite a con- uh, tight contest maybe Leinster might nick it but not mm. by that many points I think we take that and I guess Rory the obvious incentive is this to transform Munster season and the general mood around them so there's that as well there's that carrot for them what are you thinking? I think like, like I think I'll go with the kind of status quo. I think, like you know, all the indications are that Leinster will win. They're in better form. They're a better team. They're you know, they when the Ireland selectors come to pick their team, they pick the Leinster player ahead of the Munster player almost across the board. They have an incredible four pack. They're defending well in the tight, but that's a free pass for Munster. They're coming up the road with no pressure on them really, and like no one expects them to win. They just have to perform and they have to rattle Leinster, and they should be aiming to do so because. They know that these this team is human and they can get at them. But like I think all indications are that Leinster will win the game and you know could do it by more than ten points if they produce everything they, that that they can. It's up to Munster to knock them off their their stride. Okay, uh, Fiona, you've kind of dragged me into hoping this is going to be a good contest. So you're on next week. I mean, if this is a dud, you're coming on to apologise because you've given me hope, which is the worst thing. 
Do I do this every single yeah. time about Munster? So how have you not learned your lesson? No, honestly, they have a no. great chance of winning the European <laughs> Cup this year. Great <laughs> no. chance. No, no. Look, I, I really do. I think, I think there's a, been a bit of pressure on. I, I think they know that going up the road, and and I think they've they've got the win under the belt last week. So I, I do think, depending on obviously the team that gets picked, I do think they'll they'll give Leinster a good battle up there. Okay, well, fingers crossed because it would give everyone, I think, uh, something to look forward to. Um, just before we wrap up the Wasps uh, situation was one we meant to touch on on Monday didn't quite get a chance we were talking at length about Ulster and Connacht as well so 167 players and staff uh, laid off this is a team obviously um, one of the marquee names premiership titles European titles their uh, chief executive Stephen Vaughan did a podcast interview today where he outlined just how bad things are they're 100 million pounds in the red there's just no way for a club of Wasps stature to handle that level of depth so I don't know, will they make a comeback next uh, season in the Championship? But I think there's obviously a real fear of some kind of contagion here in English rugby and uh, the numbers are just not adding up for too many clubs. Yeah, I was over in, on Monday at a social event with a load of English colleagues and like the mood over there is so bleak about, about the state of English rugby. They're just beaten down by you know having the report on two of their marquee clubs and I'm sorry I'm worse they aren't necessarily a marquee club they're a premiership club but Wasps are blue chip you know they're Absolutely. one of the biggest names yeah. one of the, my great memories of watching rugby was going to that Munster Wasps game in 2003 before I became a journalist you know it was one of the games that helped me fall in love with the game you know that, that they are that team is iconic and to think that they may never play in the European Cup again is just Scary, and it's not good for Irish rugby. I know it's it's reflected and it's 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 distant, but the European Cup is really important to us, and a, and a weakened English Premiership, which looks like it's going to be because they're going to tighten their belts. They're going to, you know, lose loads of players to France. The French will get stronger. That's not good either. We, we you know that they're. The game is too small to to yeah. not have a strong. And England is too important, and the, the the teams over there are really important. And Wasps are one of those. You know, you, you know, if you're Munster and you draw Wasps in the Heineken Cup, you, you know, you sell tickets because it's a big name coming over from England. And I know they haven't been as strong in the last couple of years, but for it to go this far south, I, I guess we've always feared or suspected that there is, uh, you know, a lot of the English clubs were kind of on borrowed time in some way. But you kind of always suspected that someone would step in and save the day or the RFU or someone would, would stop a, a brand that big from going bust but there's no safety net and no. it shows the strength of the Irish system in some ways but I don't think that's I don't want I don't say that to point score I don't want English I, I like the English club model I think you know there's such strength in the independence of those clubs and the the, the the names and the tradition that they have and, and Wasps, you know, I always thought going to Coventry was a strange move, albeit it gave them a big stadium, but the fact that they up sticks from their traditional base, wanderers though they were, always didn't sit well with me at the time and it just doesn't seem to have worked out. And He said today they, they've been hemorrhaging money really since mm. that move to Coventry. The point has been made that CBC are very quiet in this. Are they supposed to come up with 100 mil? Like, what are, what are we expecting? Of? Well, like, what do they want? We, like, CBC are silent, are silent partners. Now, behind the scenes, I, from what I've, you know, from talking to figures in the IRFU, they say that CBC are a very active partner in terms of trying to drive revenues and commercial stuff. But they, they obviously don't see themselves as the lender of last resort to English rugby clubs. They, they may see that a streamlined premiership is a better way to go. And, and like, the RFU seem to be sitting on their hands a little bit and, and, and allowing Wasps to go to the wall and, and that they'll get a more streamlined premiership in the end with less with fewer teams and less games which probably suits the player welfare agenda it probably allows them to be in a stronger position when it comes to negotiating minutes and release for England and that sort of stuff but that's a very 
it's you know it's, it's stark enough to see that you know so I I think it's really sad and obviously there's players involved you know John Ryan an Irish player who got released by Munster last year went over to pursue his career at Wasps and has now find himself um, redundant and you know loads of players from around the world in a similar situation it's just yeah. it's awful and it begs the question how sustainable is this sport as a professional entity well that is the scary question hanging over the sport Fiona I know you watch pretty much every game of rugby going so I'm sure you watch lots of Premiership I mean it's kind of wild to think Wasps are no more yeah, it is. And, you know, I really started watching him when Ian Costello went over as defence coach. He, he coached me in Bowes. So, you know, I know him and his wife and I, I, I was delighted when he took when he left Munster and went over there and I really followed them. And I became a fan and I went over and I watched him over in the arena as well. And, you know, even you, you were saying it there in the stadium, there was a European night I went over there and it was quite dead in there. So you just wonder kind of the reasoning behind that. I know, like, obviously the women's doesn't generate a lot of money, but I know in the women's game, a lot of the players left the women's team because they, up until this year, they were training in London, even though the men's team was in Coventry and they were told they had to move out to Coventry and a lot of them had to leave because they had jobs in London and everything. So they lost a lot of their women's team through that as well. So look, I, I think it's very sad. It's it's the job losses, the people working in the stadium. It's 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 really, really sad. But I just, I, you know, constantly joy be saying, no, no, it's wasps. Yeah. It won't it won't happen to wasps. It surely can't. You know, they've such a tradition, you know, even the guys at the games and their blazers and you know their funny hats, they're just a great club. And it's 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 amazing that it's happened. And hopefully something will come true last minute. But the way things are going, it doesn't really look like that way, does it? No, it doesn't look great to say the least. So we'll see how the weekend goes. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent Fiona Hayes with us and Rory just before we go you are running a half marathon no marathon full excuse marathon excuse me <laughs> excuse me well I might just make, if I make more than a half marathon I'll be doing quite well but no it's, I'm attempting the full marathon yeah the double marathon on Sunday week for a wonderful cla- cla- uh, cause excuse me one close to your heart and it's for Crumlin yeah so my, um, some listeners would be aware um, my son Malachi passed away at 11 weeks earlier this year so um I've decided to, yeah, to run the marathon and, and raise funds for the Crumlin Hospital Foundation and, and specifically the units where he was treated. He spent half of his life in Crumlin and he got incredible care while he was there. And, and you know, right now there's, you know, kids in ICU and kids in the, the heart centre who need need help and support and need facilities. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm raised money. We've got past 20,000 so far, which is absolutely amazing. Wow, and the support's been incredible. But yeah, if anyone out there wants to contribute, they can. It's a Just Giving page on my Twitter and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the challenge. It's been a good focus. Okay, the Just Giving page on your Twitter. Your handle is at Rui OC. Okay, very good. Uh, well done, twenty grand. Thanks. Well, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> Sorry, they're I'll keeping the money. All back yet, <laughs> Even if he collapses know, after I, a mile, he's, he's keeping the money. I know, if I have to walk it, I'm not going to be. I'm not Kipchoge. I'm not going for any other records. If I have to walk it, I will. But no, I'm hoping to get around. Okay. Well, listen, good man. Fair Thanks, play. Thanks, uh, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent, Fiona Hayes with us as well. Our rugby and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.